Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 478 of the world's most dangerous podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Willie Green. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, back again, your friend and mine, Nate. How are you, Nate? Chad, I am spectacular. It's my favorite night of the week. I get to talk baseball with you for like an hour, sometimes more. Probably going to get off the rails at some point. I, mean, I got nothing to complain about. How are you doing, though, sir? I'm doing good. This has been a really, uh, you know, we, we talk about the Reds being bad, and often they are bad. But yet again, we had another fun week, both in the uh, the major leagues and the minor leagues. So that's all I can ask for is fun. Um, before we uh, get get too farther here, if you're in, watching on YouTube, hit the like button, smash the subscribe button. If you're listening to audio, eh, make sure to subscribe or follow where they say get to listen to my dulcet tones every single week. So um, this has been an interesting day for me, Nate. Uh, it's not just been an ordinary Thursday. Tonight, um, well, I, I'm going to get a little emotional here, I fear. Right off the top, we're going to go ahead and get off the rails. Tonight was senior night at the local uh, local high school for the local high school baseball team. And, and uh, my son just happens to be a senior. Uh, left fielder number four. Uh, Casey and um, no, first of all, number four, he's worn that number since he started playing baseball only because of Brandon Phillips. He adored Brandon Phillips growing up, just was uh, his favorite player by far. A good, good favorite player. And now I've turned around and he's a senior, Nate. I, I'm not sure what to do with myself here. It's uh, it's a little emotional in the Dotson household tonight. Yeah, I can't believe that my uh. My little dude is not only a senior, but also taking my taking the mantle as the best baseball player in the family. I'm kind of hurt by that. <laughs> I, I held it down for a while. No, it's been uh, really cool seeing um, you know how the the, uh, the the young man that he's become, and it uh, always means a lot that baseball is such a part of his life, the way it was yours and mine, and so many people in our family. So congratulations, Case. I hope he had a good game. Hope he uh, hope they won it. Most importantly, I hope hope you had fun. Hope everyone just had fun. Yeah, no, baseball has been a you know uh, I, I get gooey about baseball sometimes, and I'll probably write something about this in the next coming weeks. Um, you know, fathers and sons, there's something to that. You know, fathers and daughters as well. My daughter played softball, and we had all those times in the fields as well. But you know, uh, my son is uh, it's been a, it's been a big part of our lives together. Going to Reds games together. Uh, you know, I've been to Reds games um, with him more than probably anyone else on earth. Just me and him. We just. Go go and hang out. Um, I don't know that he's the best baseball player in the family, by the way, Nate. You may still have that. I don't know. You're a pretty good player. But um, uh, you he, you both played the same position uh, on the varsity level. Uh, and he did have a good senior night uh, tonight. I was I was proud of him. He went two for two. He had a double. He had a walk. He had a sacrifice fly, a couple RBIs, scored a couple runs. Uh, really, really strong game. And, uh, and uh, almost walked it off. Almost walked it off. Um, it ended up being a double. It would have been a triple, but the guy in front of him held up inexplicably. Um, but it almost down, almost a home run down the line. So anyway, you know, um, the reason I mention this obviously is fathers and sons is something I talk about a lot. It's a big part of baseball. I'm emotional because my only son is coming to the end of his high school baseball career. And something that may, some of you longtime listeners may remember, probably uh, probably not many of you is that Casey was actually a guest on this podcast. He was actually a guest. This was 
Red Leg Nation Radio at that time. We're on episode 478 now. This was on episode 25. <laughs> May 15, 2009. He was four years old. Four years old. And I, I we were, at, it was after a game. Um, and we, I was just asking him about who he liked, what players he liked, how much fun he was having. And if you listen to the audio version of this, I'm going to attach the audio of that little five-minute interview with four-year-old Casey to the end of this podcast. So stick around at the end if you want to if you want to hear that. Um, I don't know. I listened to it last night, and let me tell you something. Uh, thinking about senior night and all that. All right. No one's here to hear me talk about uh, this. They're here to talk about the Reds, but I had to get that off my chest, Nate. Thank you for indulging me. Yeah, if we're going to cry tonight, let's do it talking about uh, you know, Jose Barrero's slash line. Gosh, yes. Well, there'll be plenty of tears shed about that. For the Reds, interesting week. Um, Nate, why don't you just update us, first of all, before we talk about the specifics of the week, what's the Reds' record after today's big win against the Mets, uh, and where are the Reds in the standings? Yeah, as it currently stands, and we are recording this on Thursday night, your red legs are not in last place. Again! Another <laughs> successful week. We did it! The, uh, the Reds are in fourth in the NL Central. Um, Three and a half games up on the stupid Cardinals, which is just a hilarious, hilarious dumpster fire. Just all kinds of mess coming out of St. Louis right now, and I I don't know if I've ever been happier. Um, but, interestingly enough, two games up on the uh, Chicago Cubs for third, only four games back from Milwaukee, and only four and a half games back from first place as we're getting into the middle part of uh, May here. So I think we'll have more to talk about when it comes to uh, their relationship where they are in the standing a little bit later in the show. Here's a little, little teaser for you. Oh, nice. Yeah, four and a half games out. I mean, you know, um, <laughs> first of all, the division's bad. With the Cardinals just yeah. completely imploding, and yes, it's hilarious. I mean, it's just amazing. It's my favorite thing that's ever happened on a baseball field. Um, but yeah, you know, the, that means the division, everybody's like, oh, the Pirates are great. And the Pirates didn't embarrass the Reds earlier this year, but the Pirates, uh, you know, they've, they've come back to being the Pirates a little bit. And so... Um, I don't know. We'll talk, as you said, we'll talk about that more. But this week, the Reds uh, lost two out of three to the White Sox. Both series this week were at home. And then against the Mets, one, two out of three. Alexis Diaz, four out, saving the series opener. And then today, again, as we record this on Thursday, afternoon game, outstanding bullpen game. Uh, started by uh, Derek, the long arm of the law. Then Ben Lively, outstanding, I think, four innings. Uh, just incredible. Lucas Sims looks great. And then Diaz again comes in. Um, and shuts him down. So uh, the Mets are kind of kind of struggling a little bit. But then again, they're just like the Reds. They have an owner that refuses to spend money on their on their roster on their payroll. So you can understand why they'd be struggling. No, no, no. <laughs> they spend all kinds of money, and they still got smacked around by your red legs. So a 500 a week at home, but a lot of fun games. Games were except for one game, they were close. They were entertaining. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with this week. Yeah, it's a tale of two stories. That White Sox series was pretty frustrating. They definitely left some good opportunities to uh, to win that series, losing by one run in game one, uh, taking game two on that epic um, – no, one five three that day. Um, I don't even remember what happened. That was Nick Lodolo, another rough start by him. We'll get more into that later. But, uh, you know, I think if, if you ask anybody how many wins they wanted in this these two series – We'd be happy with, with, with a three-day got, especially knowing the Mets were coming down. I didn't think they would come in this order and certainly didn't think they would come on the back of a game started by Derek Law and finished by Kevin Hergert. 
which may or may know, not right? be his name. <laughs> um, the Reds are eight and six in their last 14 games. That's all I'm asking for. You do that over the span of the season and you're uh, National Central Division champs. Oh, they yeah, are the only team weeks. that Central playing above 500 ball in their last two. <laughs> That's it. There you go. Uh, you know, um, again, um, I want to get into some of the specifics of the pitching performances, but I've said it, and you've said the same thing over and over and over. At this point, I don't even care if they're good. I mean, I would like for them to be good, but just be interesting. And uh, I think they could be a lot more more interesting than they are if they had some certain different players on the roster. Um, stick a pin in that one. But uh, but they are, by and large, fun. Um, I could do without, you know, the Kevin Newmans, uh, who, you know, I, well, I'm, that's the last time I want to mention his name here. Um, <laughs> but, but the team is competitive pretty much every day. The bullpen has been... After that rough start, remember we were all in a, kind of in a tizzy about the bullpen. Uh, I, I looked at it earlier this week, and don't I, here's what the way I put it on Twitter: Don't ever judge a bullpen by wins above replacement. Just don't. It's not a good way to judge a bullpen. But the Reds had the fourth best uh, bullpen in the majors by <laughs> Phil Fangrass wins above replacement. Uh, but today the bullpen game, you know, um, I, if you'd have told me earlier in the year that it had a bullpen game. Um, that worked out this well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have believed it. So, you know, again, there are some optimist things to be optimistic about, but most of all, it's just, it's interesting. It's a little, it's fun, even if it's not good. Yeah. There's a reason to tune in just about every night, but this is kind of the source of my frustration right now. And that's why we clamor so much for them to at least try to field a major league capable roster every year. Even when you're rebuilding, you can still do better than what Nick Craw put together or he was allowed to put together, however you want to phrase that. You never know with baseball. Weird stuff happens all the time. The Giants two seasons ago weren't as good as their record, you know, best record in the National League, and no business. It's such a random game that you have moments, you have seasons when an entire division sucks. Well, that's what's happening right now, and it is not crazy to think that if the Reds had just a little bit more talent on that major league roster, they could be <laughs> contending for a division championship right now, and it's crazy to me. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, it's sort of this thing that I, I think about often, which is, yes, I would like the Reds to be, uh, you know, the Yankees. I would like them to be competing for championships every single year. But really what I and I actually want, just because I like watching baseball, and I, I like when the Reds are – are competitive and the games are fun to watch. I don't have to have championships. Championships are hard to get. I think back to that team two years ago that went 83 and 79 back in 2021. If the Reds were, you know, <laughs> aimed to have an this now again, no one is going to agree with this, but if the Reds were just aimed to have an 83 win team every year, they're going to be fun to watch most of the year. They're going to be competitive most of the year. Some years you're going to get lucky and you're going to win 88 games, <laughs> you know. But at least you're just not a, a laughing stock. At least you, you, you're you're competitive, and that to me, and the Reds are not that far from being that sort of slightly above average team. They could be, and you know, if everybody pans out, uh, or even just if some of these kids pan out, they could be there in a year or two. But it's just frustrating. Why can't you just do it? Other teams do it. Just do it. Just try. You don't have to necessarily be a championship team. Just try to be competitive. That doesn't seem too much to ask from a you know a professional sports franchise, but it, it is too much in Cincinnati, I fear. So, yeah, apparently. So, uh, how about we talk about as a way to kind of talk about some of the games this week? How about we break down as we do every week the big three? Um, 
Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. Uh, sort of our weekly update every week. Let's begin with Hunter Green. He uh, started uh, against the Cubs on May 5th. Five and two-thirds, five earned runs, seven hits. Struck out seven, only walked one. But uh, he took the loss, dropped 0-2 on the season, gave up all five of those earned runs. Looked really good early, and then, you know, it, it fell apart a little bit. He pitched against the Mets uh, in the middle game of the series. Took the loss again, so he got two losses this week, dropping him to 0-3 on the year. But five innings pitched, a couple of runs, gave up six hits, four strikeouts, and eh, four walks. That was the uh, that was the big issue there. But, you know, um, so not a, not a perfect week by any stretch of the imagination for Hunter Green. But you know what? He's 3.69 ERA through eight starts, uh, ERA plus 131. Um, I have zero complaints, zero complaints about Hunter Green at this point. He's 23. I'm sick of seeing people that are upset when he gives up a home run or when he doesn't go more than, you know, five and two thirds, but uh, sort not a, not a stellar week, but another week of growth for Hunter Green's the way I would put it. Any thoughts about Hunter? Yeah, I was really encouraged by his game against the Mets, um, on Wednesday. So it was, it was a loss. He didn't have his best stuff. He only had those four strikeouts. Three of them, I think, were in the first inning. So he was battling without his best stuff all day. Still put together 5.1. I think he could have gone longer. I think they should leave him in longer. We need to see these guys battle through, work through some stuff so that they're ready when the time comes. But, you know, we're, we're hoping to see progress. We're getting it. Um, I, th- I found that interesting that he is, like, going back and forth with this – change up with attempting to make the change up mm-hmm. part of his repertoire. He used it twice, three starts ago, six pitches, um, two starts ago, and then back to only twice yesterday as we're recording this. So I'm really going to keep an eye on that. I think he needs that third pitch to sort of become the guy that we all think he is. But you said something you're, and you hit the nail on the head. This, this conversation on the interwebs about people being upset and disappointed in Hunter Green has really ramped up lately. I can't figure it out. Seems like it, it blows my freaking mind. I mean, I I made the, the epic mistake of diving into the comments to see like what are people actually saying? What are the what are the crazies that I don't follow? What, what what's their stance? And it's all about how the Reds, in their opinion, named him the staff ace when he didn't deserve it. You know, <laughs> like like he, he's never earned this mantle that they've given him. Like, well, he leads the team in ERA, ERA plus, and fifth fielding independent pitching. Like, he, he is the staff ace. He is the best pitcher for the Reds right now, at least the best starter. I don't know what else you want out of an 11-year-old. The guy has been <laughs> lights out. He's a, he's a top 30 pitcher in all of Major League Baseball, and he's so, so young. Settle down, people. Give him a break. Hunter Green's awesome. Enjoy the ride. What the Yahoos want is for him to be Justin Verlander already, you know, and mm-hmm. um, he's 23. Okay. He, and now will he be just Verlander? I, I don't know that, but every start this year, you talk about learning the pitches. I didn't have a problem with them pulling him out of the game uh, in terms of his pitch count the other day, but he's going to progress in terms of that. And, but every game you see him working on things. This is just a growth year. It's just a growth year. And he's doing it against the best hitters in the world. Um, yeah, lay off that guy. Very, very pleased with uh, Hunter Green. No issues with his, uh, although it wasn't a dominant week, no issues with his performance. Um, you you briefly mentioned Nick Lodolo, and uh, we, we have to have a conversation about Nick Lodolo because I think it's probably time for the Reds to cut bait and 
either trade him or send him to a single A or something. I don't know. Or just yeah. this assignment. Um, versus the White Sox on May the 6th, three and two-thirds innings. Only gave up three runs, but uh, was not particularly effective. Uh, six hits, struck out three. That's 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 a uh, recurring theme. Strikeout numbers have dropped after that great start. Only walked one. In his last four games, he's thrown 17 and one-third. ERA 10.38. 20 strikeouts to four walks, um, which is a good ratio, but his strikeout numbers have kind of, not cratered, but dropped. 32 hits allowed in those 17 in a third inning. So he's not fooling anybody. Batters are hitting 405 against him. He's allowed at least three runs in each of those four starts. Hasn't thrown more than five innings in a game in what is today? It's almost a month. It'll be a month Saturday since he's thrown a uh, more than five innings in a game. Um, his next start was pushed back from today. That's why we had a bullpen day today to Thursday, to, excuse me, to Saturday due to uh, left calf soreness. Um, you think it was his calf, or do you think he is a farmer? <laughs> oh, hold on. Moment of, uh, moment of silence here for the, the dearly departed Kyle Farmer. <laughs> Farmersonly.com right here on the riverfront. And glad to see Kyle Farmer, by the way. Scary injury he had. Uh, glad to see him back in the lineup um, for another team. But uh, what do you think about Lodolo? Are you, are you ready to give up? <laughs> it, it, Sign him to a contract extension? I have, uh, I'll say I've been higher on Nicolola than I am today, but not much. I'm not worried about the guy. This is a rough stretch, and we say it on here all the time. That's young pitchers are going to go through him. His particular rough stretch is a uh, pretty rough brand. I mean, it is, it's been real bad. He's getting barreled. His barrel rate is almost twice MLB average. That's not good. Um, but there's still a whole lot of red on his baseball savant page. Go take a look. The stuff is still there. It's just, it's a location thing is what it seems like to me. And you know, one of my favorite stats is uh, whip walks and hits per innings pitched. Pretty simple. How many dudes are you allowing to get on base every inning? And his is at a robust 1.748 right now. So he's allowing almost a, two batters an inning to get on base. You can't sustain that. Um, his stuff's still there. He's he's going to be just fine. But I'm really hoping that Derek Johnson can figure something out. And it's yet another example of why you should round out a rotation with capable arms. Because especially when you're relying on three young guys, you're going to hit bumps in the road. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I'm not worried either. There's no reason to be worried. Now, uh, it's pay attention. You know, mm-hmm. keep an eye on him here. But – this is something that we have said over and over and over. I think my son Casey said it back on episode number 25. <laughs> Be patient with young pitchers. Be patient with young pitchers. I will say, if you stick around and listen to Casey's uh, little interview that we did, he's my favorite guest ever on this podcast, by the way. Uh, he did have some harsh words for the Cardinals at, at age four. <laughs> so it has been raised right. Let me just tell you that as we say, say it down here in the Appalachian Mountains. Um no, I'm not. I'm not concerned. This is what happens to young pitchers now. But the question is, can he? This is something else we talk about all the time. Can he adjust? Because again, you're hitting the guys that are in the batter's box drive Cadillacs too, as they say. Okay, these are the best hitters in the world. They're making it. They've made adjustments now to what Lodolo was doing. So now Lodolo has to adjust. It's this constant cat and mouse. These are the. Again, I can't stress enough. This game is so much harder than most of you realize it is. <laughs> and and these guys are playing at the highest level. And so 
uh, not worried about Nicoladolo, but I'm interested to see how he adjusts and, and how he learns from this. And that will make the determination as to whether he's a, a competent big league pitcher going forward or if he can make, make the leap to a uh, a star big league pitcher. I still think he will be. Um, Kirk Casale. Oh, by the way, I like Kirk Casale. Can I just say yeah. that? Pro. I'm I like pro Kirk Casale. Yeah, yeah. And, and because he's a pro. I mean, that guy is just a pro. Um, well, all these guys are pros, but he had to cut some interesting comments. He said, about Lodolo. It's about making that breaking ball more consistent, eliminating the back foot ones and the ones that stay out over the plate. Somewhere in the middle of, of that is the zone for him. Nick still has wipeout stuff. He's been attacking pretty well for the last couple starts. It's tough to replicate those 12 strikeout games he was having. That's not going to be the norm. We'll make the most out of any given day and say the course. It's still May. He's healthy. That's important. He'll only get better with reps. Now, some of that maybe is uh, Casale uh, using cliches, but on the other hand, Casale is a veteran catcher, and I think uh, that's a pretty good assessment. Um, uh, do you want to keep talking about Lodolo in order to vamp to keep from talking about the next uh, in the big three, Nate? That's my question to you today. Or do you want to go ahead and dive right in? What are you talking about? <laughs> Your boy Graham Ashcraft. Listen, in a you. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right. Well, Graham, uh, in a 17-4 to loss to the Chicago White Sox, with 1.2 innings pitch, eight runs allowed, six hits, three Ks, and two walks. So uh, not a great day at the office for Graham. But you know what? When you put the bull in the china shop, some stuff's going to get broken on occasion. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> you can't be shocked. Uh, listening to his interview after the game, I thought it was pretty funny. He was just uh, – because he had a dominant – you know, first inning. I think it was even three or three down. Just, right. just looked, yeah. looked as good as he looked all season long. And then he said that it was a mental thing. He uh, gave, like he, he had a great pitch. The guy just got the, the skinny part of the bat on it, accidentally hit a home run, and he fell apart mentally. He was just mad about it. And he said he was getting squeezed by the ump. It's like, it's like I just lost the mental battle. Young pitchers, it's going to happen. Um, I did appreciate the uh, you know the, the transparency and the honesty in his post-game interview. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just lost it. It wasn't stuff. It wasn't anything. It just <laughs> blew up. Yeah, and he's going to have to not do that in the future, but that's a learning mm -hmm. process for a 25-year-old pitcher. And the fact that he recognizes it and it can hopefully uh, not make that mistake uh, going forward. But everything this season for the big three, we update them every week because it's a process. And I like the idea that we're kind of following this progress week to week to week of these three guys. And yes, his ERA jumped uh, from two. 2.00 to 3.82 in one day. Um, and all I can say is, you know what? Mama said there'd be days like this. Go get them next time, big guy. Uh, no issues with Graham Ashcraft, but no. whew, that was that was brutal. That was brutal. It was tough. I actually had the, like, the evening off. I was ready to just sit down and watch that game. And second inning rolls around. I'm like, all right, baby, what are we watching? <laughs> let's, go, let's go get some dinner. This is it. I'm out. I'm out. All right, so I, I take um, it. I take it personally when he has a bad game. I'm like, I feel like it, it affects me more than it should. Well, I see it. And I'm like, God, finally, get this guy in the bullpen where I said he deserves to be. <laughs> um, finally, I'm going to be right. No, please, gosh, if he ends up as a reliever, I'm going to be so sad. But that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Um, I think what we need to talk about at this point, Nate, is the biggest topic in uh, Cincinnati Reds land in recent uh, days and uh, over the last week or so. And that's these kids down on the farm. You know, Nate, they, they have they have kids down on the farm. 
are there child labor laws? Not in Kentucky. That's that's where Louisville is. That's the Louisville Every, bats. Everything's legal in Kentucky. Everything is legal in Kentucky. Um, so these kids down the farm, and I'm talking specifically about L.A. De La Cruz, about Matt McClain, and about Christian Encarnacion Strand. Or as I called him memorably on a, a spring training podcast, Christian Encarnacion Steer. I'll own up to it. I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, those guys have been mashing the ball. And so I wrote about this week for Cincinnati Magazine. Uh, and again, if you aren't reading my stuff at Cincinnati Magazine, what are you even doing with your life? You have something better to do? I mean, get out of here. The headline, I don't write the headlines, but uh, I write the, the columns. But the headline that was attached to my piece was the Reds need to bring up the kids. And so I made an argument. Let me just briefly run through my argument, which is that the the gist of the argument was Matt McClain, the Reds are awful at shortstop, have been horrible at shortstop. Only one team in the major leagues has gotten worse production out of shortstop. That's the Oakland A's. The Reds are horrific at first base, just absolutely awful. Uh, worse than the National League, 28th overall. Only two teams have got worse production out of first base. And so... Until Votto returns, and listen, when Votto returns, Votto's the first baseman, and he's going to mash the ball. I'm, I'm not suggesting anything other than that. But until Votto returns, there's a gigantic gaping hole at first base. Um, perhaps capably filled by Spencer Steer, but we may uh, get into that in a moment with, with Nick Zell at third. But we have this hole at shortstop, this hole at first base. Why not? What's the downside to bringing up Matt McClain to play shortstop and bringing up Christian Encarnacion Steer to play first base. Steer Strand, Strand Steer. Um, and let them give them a shot because they're mashing the ball. They're killing the ball down there. And that was my, my argument was for those two specifically. And I acknowledged that there are things that all three of these big guys, and you would probably throw Al, uh, Andrew Abbott in there as well, the pitcher. Um, there are things they need to work on. It's not ridiculous that the Reds haven't brought them up. McLean, you know, got you know, got to work on his defense. Um, Incarnacion Strand, Elia La Cruz, yeah, their walk rate's not great. Maybe they need to work on that. Okay, I, I can I can understand the argument, but to me, right now we have this moment in time. Give him a shot, and then when I, just as soon as I make the case that McLean and Incarnacion Strand steer should be in the big leagues, and maybe let's, let's wait on Elia La Cruz because he started slow. He's been hitting great since De La Cruz goes to the moon the very day this this uh, was published. I mean, absolutely. Three hits with exit velocities higher than anyone in professional baseball. No team has had three in the same game as as uh, fast exit velocity as, as I don't had. think a team has had three this season. Yes. As high as it's, he's had in the in one game. A double, two home runs, one home run from the left side, one home run from the right side. This guy, I, I hung the, the the moniker on him that I had reserved only for one other player. And those of you that have been long-time listeners know who I'm talking about. He's a freaking comic book superhero, that guy. He is not human. He's not real. He was created in a lab. So now I'm like, get them all up here. I just need to see him. All right, that was my, my, my monologue slash rant slash whatever. <laughs> I want to get your take on this, Nate. We have kind of gone 
long-winded multiple times about why Matt McLean and Christian Encarnacion Strand should be up here. Um, they've been doing it for a while now. Matt McLean, just about all season long, aside from one stretch at the beginning of the year, CES all spring training got hurt for a little bit there. So understandable. Take your time with him. He's been mashing ever since he got back. Um, there's service time questions, I guess. A lot of people keep bringing that up. You know, you don't want to lose a year of team control. I think that's nonsense. I think we can uh, all agree that that has not been what the organization has been uh, doing in recent years. But for somebody like CES, you have a giant hole at first base. One that you know is going to get filled by Joey Votto, hopefully sooner rather than later. You can bring him up for a few weeks, get him a little taste, and then send him back down and not worry about that service time stuff. Um, the Ellie one is funny because I was right there with you. I thought that he needed more time. His, you know, his numbers just weren't anywhere near close to those two guys, and his plate discipline was really, really tough. Um, but that stretch this hot stretch he's been on has got his ops above nine now he had a walk-off walk which has been one of the more impressive things that i have seen for somebody that's so sweet happy yeah same game as the the exit velocities and then as we're recording this i think uh i just saw this correct on twitter he has three walks tonight so if he has just been raking just because he wants to get the counting stats up and now he's going to show you that plate discipline that takes him to the next level. I mean, we're talking about otherworldly talent. He already has the fastest pitch in all levels of professional baseball, um, or fastest throw from an infielder to first base at over 99 miles an hour. He has the third fastest, I think, uh, sprint time from home to third base. Like, the guy is just – he's elite at every single tool. It is the wildest thing in the world, and – Get them up. Let them play. This roster has no power, and you got three guys that are just down there mashing. For what it's worth, bring T.J. Hopkins up here. Instead of the Matt Reynolds of the world and their 300 slugging percentage, T.J. Hopkins will be tied for the team leading home runs right now. He's 26. He's not like he's some project that we're still working on. Bring him up, see if he's got it. If he doesn't, no harm, no foul. But let the kids play because the Reds are only four and a half games out of first place. Inject some life into them. Get some Let's power. Go. And if we are going to be bad, let the entire division be bad. Let's make a run for it. Let's go. I'm in, man. <laughs> I'm in. No, I'm 100% in the camp of bring the kids up. Bring bring all those guys up. TJ Hopkins is an interesting one. Uh, ben Lively, who uh, returned to the Reds and, and pitched today, pitched very well. Very happy mm-hmm. to see that. I think it had been four years since he pitched in a big league game. Um, he said, that's a guy to watch down there. I mean, these other kids are great, but and you're right, 26 is not a prospect, but can he be a guy that can help for the next two or three, four years? Well, maybe. I don't know. Let's find out. Well, He's when your offense is putrid, and the Reds' offense is pathetic, one of the three or four worst in the entire major leagues at just about every metric, why not bring these guys up instead of giving it bats to Matt Reynolds, Henry Ramos, and Kevin Newman? No offense to those. Wait, some. Some offense to those guys. By OPS+. plus. And again, we're picking and choosing numbers maybe, but Reds offense, the worst in the National League, second worst in all of Major League Baseball. Weighted runs created plus. These are the nerd stats, as I call them. Only the Colorado Rockies have a worse offense than in the National League. Um, they're just they're just not good offensively. And so you've got three guys. And again, we can talk about Andrew Abbott as well. I'm firmly of the belief that he probably does need a little bit more uh, 
time at AAA because he started at AA. Um, but then again, the Reds don't have any any starting pitchers really. So who, who, who who's going to? There's certainly room for him. A top five starting pitcher in the Reds organization. <laughs> well, that's right. And that you know, again, I, I do want to come back to the to the fact that I I do believe that there are. We like to criticize the Reds here more than uh, just any, about anyone else, but I, I can conceive of actual good reasons to keep those guys down, uh, development reasons, but uh, but I don't care. Bring, bring well, them up here and let's see it. You can cherry pick any player on any major league roster and say that they have a flaw that they can work on. Should we send Jonathan Indian on AAA to work on his defense? Uh we probably should talk about the Reds' <laughs> defense at some point because uh, it's horrible. And um, Barrero and, and Indy up the middle are a disaster. But no, 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 no. And, here, and here's why we're not going to talk about that, Nate. Can I tell you why we're not going to talk about that? Because tonight, good vibes only. Good Good vibes, vibes only. only. I did not yeah, mean that to sound like up. a dig at uh, Jonathan Indy, by the way. My guy is crushing. Like, he is. He's playing fantastic at the plate. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think really – if, if there are things you need to work on, it's sometimes more difficult. I've talked several times tonight about these are the greatest players in the world. So maybe you don't want to try to develop against the best players, but at some point you're going to have to, you can't wait until they're fully developed to bring them up. You got to bring them up and let them develop more if they're going to be legit players. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready. I, I just cannot believe what we're seeing at Bella de la Cruz. Let me just briefly mention, uh, because you just barely touched on it, the service time stuff. Stop tweeting at me about service time nonsense. <laughs> yes, I led the charge when they played games with Nixon Zell. They absolutely played service time games with Nixon Zell. Um, there's just no question whatsoever. Uh, Zell, by the way, picking it up again here in the last uh, three, two or three games. Um, but think of the guys they didn't play service time games with. You know, Hunter Green, Nicola Dolo, uh, Jonathan India, Tyler Stevenson. They're not playing service time games with these guys. And with the new CBA, the date has already passed this year by which they get another year of team control. Unless they, I'm not going to get into all the details. Uh, It's possible they became a super two player. They could maybe, uh, uh, could screw the Reds a little bit. But if they're a super two player, it means they come up and they've been really good. So don't tell me that's a bad thing. Yeah, you may have to pay a little bit of extra money to them, but you have good players. So, I don't think the Reds are playing service time games. I actually do believe that they're keeping them down for developmental reasons. But if the more they keep mashing, and I, again, I didn't look, I haven't looked at, it, but I got the the uh, text notifications. I think Encarnacion Strand, who had three homers in a game earlier this week, I think he has another one tonight. That I don't know if it's true, but the announcer evidently, the PA guy in the same said it went 470 feet. Now that I don't know if that that, that does not seem real. McLean, I think, has a home run and and maybe a double. Elie de la Cruz is a comic book superhero. What are we waiting on? Well, I've said it here a few times. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it every episode until it happens. Extend Elie de la Cruz right now. Give him $50 million, Give him hundred. whatever it takes to sign him to a long-term deal right now, a la Ronald Acuna in Atlanta. And let's just keep this guy in uniform because you take that risk. He's, he's, this is a once-in-a-lifetime generational upon generational talent right now. Lock him up. Keep him a red for his entire life. No, I, I think that would, more than anything else the Reds could do, that would be the one thing that would get me to say, all right, I'm in. I'm all in on Nick Crawl. I mean, yeah, he does dumb stuff. We get crawled sometimes. But 
If they would do that, that would be the smartest move the Reds have made. I, I don't know when the last one was that I would say was this. I mean, that's not going to happen. But yeah, even before he makes his debut, yeah, buy out two years of free agency for him. Buy out all of his arbitration years. Uh, buy out his whole career. Sign him to a 20-year deal. Do it. Let's do it. One last um, thing on the prospects before we uh, move on. Um, have you noticed this uh, little burgeoning bromance between Ellie and Matt McClain? I have not, but I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. They have like a little post-win celebration where McClain comes like slam dunks the baseball into Ellie's arms. There's a bunch of pictures floating around right now from the last few days. And I'm like, you know, find you somebody that looks at you the way Ellie De La Cruz looks at Matt McClain. <laughs> like, they they seem to be buddies, so I cannot be more here for this uh, this little buddy cop saga. That is fantastic. I'm going to actually have the last word about this. Um, I was same to say. I, I felt about Matt McLean the same way I felt about Jonathan India, which is I need to see a little more. I'm not saying he's going he's going to be bad. I'm not. I don't know that he's going to be great, but I need to see a little more. That's how I was coming into this season. I was, uh, you know, show me. Show me what you can do. And he has not stopped. He has not stopped. I mean, you know, Encarnacion strand steer, 15 games, that's his 16th game. Elie de la Cruz, that's his 18th game. So, you know, okay, they, they were injured to start the season. Uh, smaller sample size. Matt McClain now, this is his 35th game of the season. But coming into tonight, 11 home runs, 34 RBIs in those 34 games. 336 average, 447 on base. Slugging percentage barely below 700. 1143 uh, OPS. You know, yes, there are maybe some questions about his defense at shortstop. But you know what? The kid played center field at UCLA. Played shortstop UCLA as well, but he played a full season and more at center field. Um, Get this guy up here and let's see if he can hit. Uh, I trust that... If he's not quite good enough to play shortstop, that means there are other places he can play. Now, can you just pick up a new position in the major league level? No, it's as they say at Moneyball, it's incredibly hard. It's, you can't just pick up a new position. That's the that's the knock on Encarnacion Strand. The kid evidently struggles really hard <laughs> um, at defense, and so um, you you can't be a bad defender. And maybe he's just maybe Encarnacion Steer Strand is just a DH. I don't know. But I want to see him hit up here because all spring long and now all minor league season, he's just done nothing but mash. I just want something interesting. So anyway, we've gone way too long on all that. But anything else you want to say? Keep an eye on that uh, walk to strikeout ratio there from Matt McLean. 23 walks to 31 strikeouts in the season. The guy's yeah. he's, he's showing it all. No, he uh, offensively, he looks as good as just about anybody – uh, 34 games is still a small sample size, but he has looked as good as anybody in years. Um, 447 on base percentage. Just the guy has a clue at the plate. 23 walks. He had like a one for 22 or like a one for 22 stretch early in the year. Yeah. <laughs> like, take he has, I know, right? Can you imagine? Matt McLean has 23 walks, Nate. I'm going to, I got a trivia time. Only one Louisville bat has more walks. Than Matt McLean. Only one. Can you name who it is? I'm not going to pull up the stats that I have open in a separate window. I promise. Honor system here. We're um, on the honor system. Chucky Robinson. It is not Chucky Robinson. Jeez. 
It is not Chucky Robinson, who's, who, by the way, is having a pretty good season. <laughs> He's hitting 425 uh, down there on the farm. No, th- this player has 25 walks. McLean has 23. But McLean's played 34 games, and this player's only played 19. And he still has 25 walks in 19 games. Nate, jump back on the bandwagon, baby. It's Will Benson. It's my guy, Will Benson, who is a freaking superstar. 414 on base percentage at AAA. We will ignore the fact that he has a 177 batting average. But... (laughs) What an insane stat line. 177 average, 414 on base, 323 sluggy. I don't know what's going on here, but I'm here for it. Um, I meant to add this to the notes so we could uh we could cover this, but the Benson season is back, man. If he uh, if he taps into the power that we know he has, the average was never gonna be high, but the the report on him was always he has incredible, incredible Joey Votto-esque plate discipline. So yeah. last year at AAA, he that had a high contact rate and home runs came too. So we're thinking if he can be anywhere close to that, this is a really, really valuable piece. Well, he wasn't even walking for the first, I don't know, 70, 75% of the season so far. It was just bad. Well, he has found his eye again. He he's, he walked something like 20 out of 35 appearances or just something egregious. Like the guy is just down there seeing the ball really well. And it's awesome to see. But, you know, it's strange. Only two home runs. Only three doubles. He's not hit that because you know, he has light tower power. I mean, the guy can can mash the ball. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, there's two home runs and three doubles, but he only has eleven hits. Like almost half of his hits are for extra bases. <laughs> well, there you go. You gotta get more <laughs> more hits. I don't know. I love I love me some Will Benson, and I always will. Um, by the way, uh, because I'm nothing if not just a shameless self promoter. The service time stuff I was talking about, you would have already known about it if you subscribe to uh, my newsletter. It's true. Chad, ChadDotson.com. It's so easy to remember. ChadDotson.com. It's on Substack. The Tesla guy doesn't let the links go out on Twitter anymore, but um, you can go, you can get all my uh, my thoughts there at the Substack. Uh, ChadDotson.com. Uh, and, and my goal is by the end of the season, I'm hoping before September, I will convince Nate to actually subscribe to it. It's 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 free. I don't I know why it. Nate won't subscribe. No, oh, whatever. I don't believe I almost, I almost read it once. Uh, you know who subscribed to it? <laughs> I almost read this one. You ever uh, you ever watch uh, these? You ever see these no laying up guys? Yeah, uh, the golf guys. For sure. We've uh, yeah. Um, one of those guys that uh, subscribed to it this week. He and I have talked a little bit about. It. He's big Reds fan, so so thank you, thank you, big, big Randy, big Randy. Yeah. Randy, if you don't know what no laying up uh, is, go to yeah. absolutely. Go to go. Yeah, go to YouTube if you don't know what no laying up is. Those guys are amazing hilarious cycle um, also open invitation big randy come on the show anytime i need to push him on that you know he did it, he he helped uh you know kind of uh pimp the uh the billboard thing last year uh, over there which was which was good yeah, we need to get him on he's a big reds fan and yeah. uh and really tall all right well what's next on our agenda nate how about just a quick run through some of the uh the roster moves this week um and updates on what's going on. The Reds, this one surprised me. The Reds skipped uh, Luis Sessa's start, and then they designated him for assignment when they called up Kevin Herget and Ben Lively. Uh, well, we don't need to go too deep into this because it's Luis Sessa. It's not like he's a superstar, but I still don't understand. Sessa has been a perfectly cromulent reliever. He was not a good starter. He shouldn't have been a starter. He wouldn't have been a starter for any other major league team. But what's the deal? I don't understand why you don't put him back in the bullpen. That one... I don't. I still don't understand it. Nate, do you have any insight? 
This one's got me a little hot. Um, I don't have any insight, but I'm really annoyed by this. Um, they did bang out of the bullpen once. They had one bullpen appearance before they skipped his uh, what would have been his next start and DFA'd him. They they just used and abused the guy. They put him in a role that he was not equipped for in a contract here. You know, when he's he's fighting for that next contract, they kept running him out there as a starter. Now I I know he wanted to be a starter, but I would imagine that just about every single reliever wants to be a starter. They spend their entire lives starting. That's how it works. Um, they go out there, put him in a position where he's almost certainly going to fail, never give him a chance to be in the right position, and then they just cut bait. They just send him on his way without ever giving him a chance to prove that he is serviceable at the role he's most equipped for. And what really gets me about this is that Great American Ballpark has a difficult enough time attracting free agents. Not a lot of people trying to rebuild their stock in Great American Small Park. So if we're going to have a more difficult time as a franchise attracting these kinds of free agents, maybe you should be known, get a reputation for treating your players really, really well. You think people don't talk? The word doesn't get around? Man, look at the Reds did to Luis Sessa. Should I – should I really go play for them on a one-year deal, two-year deal? I don't know. I just It rubbed me the wrong way. I know that Luis Sessa is not going to change the trajectory of this franchise, but it just seemed like a nasty way of doing business that could have been easily avoided. I, I just don't – I don't get it. I mean, I, you're right. It's not going to change much at all. He's a, he's a relief pitcher. He's a cromulent relief pitcher. But the Reds don't have an abundance of – effective relievers he's 31 but you know this is his eighth year in the big leagues of the seven years before this he'd been either average or above average in six of the seven years and been really good in some of those years including his first year uh in cincinnati uh he was you know, when he when he came over in the in the midseason trade and, and no he's not a starter <laughs> okay uh he wanted to be and i get it but i just I don't know. This, this, we used to have this thing on the interwebs back in the old blog days where everybody would get freaked out over the 25th man on the roster. You know, why in the world are they letting this guy on the big league roster? He's awful. And I'm like, eh, it's the 25th guy. It's not really that important. It's the same with Luis Sessa. It's not really that important to the long-term success of this franchise. But I don't like it. It doesn't make any sense to me. No. He's he, he's at least going to be a reliable reliever. Um and here I'm. My, my voice is, is is rising in uh, decibel level. I don't, uh, you know, I'm getting more upset than I should be over something like this. I just because I don't understand it, and I don't like things I don't understand, no. which is most of the world. I walk around all day long, just like uh, I don't understand <laughs> what's, what's going on. And this is another example of that. Yeah. Um. um yeah, that, that would have me heated. So let's move on. Yeah, let's move so on. Be awesome for somebody, Luis. And- Get your get your next big contract because the Reds certainly didn't help you do that whatsoever. Didn't help yourself. Much they either. did not. Yeah, and I don't know that he'll ever get a big contract, but he's a guy that you think could pitch five, six, seven more years out of somebody's bullpen. And that look, go look at his stat line, his uh, his career numbers on Baseball Reference. He's, Super valuable guy to have, especially when you they got the rotation the Reds have that can't get past the fourth, fifth inning. Yeah, no, you he's like, a guy. You that, like guys that can go three, four. Well, that's a great point. In the, in the day and age that we have in baseball, I don't know. I just, again, we're making more of it. Luis says is not a superstar, but he's a, a fairly effective 
has been a fairly effective reliever. I just, it make, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. We wasted all too much time. Speaking of the position in the, uh, in the rotation that uh, Sessa was occupying, can we just say, as I said, I'm wrong all the time. Buddy, let me just tell you something. I was right about this one. Luke Weaver ain't the answer. <laughs> and I don't know why any of you thought that Luke Weaver was the answer. Four starts, 7.36 ERA. You know, I, what are we even doing here? I mean, I know the Reds decided only to have three starters this year. I cannot believe that some of you convinced yourself. And if it was you, you need to just hang <laughs> your head right now. Anybody that's listening, if you thought Luke Weaver was going to be okay, go look at his career numbers and tell me why you thought that. Because I couldn't figure it out. People were saying all these nice things about him. And I was like, well, I hope so. But why? I, I don't understand. So I, he ain't the answer, I think, is is what I'm saying. I tried my best to go and find some, some cherry-pick stats to uh, try to refute your Luke Weaver's not the answer claim. And I'm sorry, Luke. I couldn't find him. <laughs> Will Myers was activated this week. That's good to see. I like Will Myers. I hope he starts actually, you know, like uh, hitting the ball. That would be that would be nice. Yes. Will Myers, maybe just hit the ball. Two hundred eight average, two sixty nine on base. Um, and unfortunately, the Reds had to designate for assignment Matt Reynolds. Matt Reynolds, thank you for every single time Matt Reynolds was on the field. He played as hard as he could. He tried as hard as he could to be a good player for the Reds, and I tipped my cap to him. It's ridiculous. He was on the roster instead of Matt McClain or Christian Encarnacion Strand Steer, McClain Steer. Um, I'm frustrated. Matt Reynolds. The good news acquired. Go ahead. Let's hear the good news. Uh, Is there good news? You're about to say it. The Reds acquired Frank. German, 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 German. I do not, I do not know how to German. It. We're going to go with just Frank German. <laughs> Frank, Frankie German. German, Frank the German from the White Sox, and he brings a robust seven point one five ERA in AAA this year. So sunny days ahead. <laughs> Frank, Frankie German. I don't know how you pronounce it. We'll find out at some point. But forever, he's going to be Frankie German on this show. Um, yeah, the Reds got Frankie German. That's all I'm going to say. That, that that literally may be the last time he's ever mentioned on the Riverfront. Nate, um, I don't know. I, I We may have to skip this week's weekly uh, Reggie Sanders belongs to the Reds Hall of Fame reminder. We may have to skip that this week. Or, unless you have we'll something do, quickly. No, we'll do two next week. We'll do two next week because we got to get in some viewer mail because, again, we have just absolutely gone off the rails tonight. So I'm going to say let's try rapid fire, but it's not probably not going to happen with us, but we'll see. First question comes from Tim Daniel. Nate, do you know who Tim Daniel is? Have you ever met him? I'm, I've met him recently, actually. Uh, handsome guy, good husband, good father. Fortunately, he's a Reds fan. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> Tim, of course, the host of Late Night Reds here at the Riverfront. Sunday nights, they go live. Late Night Reds live talk. Uh, And Nate, you joined Tim this week. And I got to say, I'm only saying this because I like you, but it was really, really good. I really enjoyed it. So much fun hopping on there with Tim. He's doing some really cool things too. Uh, You know, Drew Stubbs is on there. John Sadak, the guys from 
uh, locked on. I've been on there. Matt Wilkes recently, friend of the friend of the show. So um, if you are ever free on a Sunday night, go hang out with uh, Tim and the game because him and Pat Magooch are just making magic over there. Pat Magooch, the legend. Um, and you have to you have to go watch that show on Sunday nights to understand the Pat Magooch uh, love. Yeah, well, I, I like what we do here. This show we've been doing it 478 episodes of this. Um, but that live show has a different element to it. And it's really fun. Glad to have the, the late night Reds guys in the fold here at the riverfront. Tim's question is this. Again, these viewer mail questions all come from our friends at patreon.com slash riverfront That's patreon.com slash riverfront where you too can support uh, this crazy show. Should the Reds actually be buyers at the trade deadline? Tim, it wants to see the world burn by getting us to answer this question. Nate, should the Reds actually be buyers at the trade deadline? What are your thoughts? I think that they should have filled out a freaking MLB-capable roster from the, <laughs> from the beginning. I don't know if they should be buyers. They should have just been spenders a little bit in the offseason. You're telling me there weren't any free agent placeholders on the market? Um being real though, like if the Reds are only a couple games out, I'd rather trade deadline. I mean, I don't want them to trade any real talent, but go shore up some weak spots and see what happens. Bring the kids yeah, up. Yeah, right. Though. Bring, the, Bring the, kids the kids up first. Yeah, I don't know you trade for this real tech because I don't want to give up anybody. Unless it's someone that's going to be around for the next three or four years, maybe you trade some of the, the young talent. But um, no, the answer is no. They should not be buyers at the deadline but nate hit on what should have happened the division is so bad if the reds had just filled out an actual big league roster before the season and not punted on like seven spots on their opening day roster they could be, be in the mix i mean they're only four and a half out and they've been largely bad this season I, it's it's so frustrating the reds are what five games under 500 100, but only four and a half out of first. What if they were 500? Guys, we'd be having so much fun here right now. So much Although fun. we are, we're having a lot of fun anyway. Ellie De La Next Cruz qu- just hit a, hit a home run, by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In real time, these guys, just get them on the train. I'm, I, I assume it's a train that everybody comes from Louisville to Cincinnati on a train. Get them on the train to Cincinnati, please. Next question from our buddy Calvin Medcalf. Calvin Medcalf, Nate, is uh, he, he has roots in Ohio, but he's from the United Kingdom. It's true. That's overlords uh, of the Canadians. Exactly. Not quite Europe. Used to be. Not, not, not any longer. He has a question for us, Nate. Not baseball related, but I wanted to ask it regardless. With the coronation of our glorious OAP. Now, hold on a second. OAP. Do you know what that is? I Googled it because I was unsure and then I forgot. But I think it's like old age pension. <laughs> King Charles III last Saturday. I wonder what y'all's favorite. And by the way, he spelled favorite in the British way with a U in there. Wonder what y'all's favorite movies about royalty are. Let's say top three. And can be anything from the King's Speech to the Princess Diaries. Favorite movies about royalty. I like talking about movies, so I'm going to answer this first, Nate, if you don't mind. Please. 
Here are the three greatest movies about royalty. Revolution, 1985, Al Pacino movie. 1776, the 1972 musical. The Patriot, starring uh, uh, Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger. All of those are about royalty being kicked out of this country. King George III, <laughs> get out of here. USA, that's all I have to say. Anti-royalty. I'm not up. Well, I don't want to say that about the Queen, but um, <laughs> s- screw the royalty right. is what I'm saying. <laughs> Jump in here it. before I say something that I'm going to regret, Nate. Somebody please cut that out, put it on TikTok. We need that. <laughs> um, I was a bit surprised by how few movies about royalty I have seen, so I went with uh, The Lion King. Oh, that that's counts. Um, Three Musketeers. D'Artagnan, that's a fun name. That's it's kind of relevant. And then I went with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's about a queen. <laughs> it is. It is. Rami Malek. Um, Dreamy. Wow, okay. You, you took a different uh, <laughs> uh, mode of attack on that question than I did. But uh, let me just say this. We don't get into politics here at the Riverfront for good reasons because it's, it's a disaster. But let me just tell you this. I am anti-King George III. And if you are pro-King George III, I don't want you. I don't want you here. Okay? George Washington. All right. Anyway, let's move to the next question. I'm sorry. I, I've lost it here. Sorry, Calvin. You know we love you. Calvin, you're, you're royalty. You're uh, We're going to call you Prince Calvin from now on. Is that all right? Let us know if that's okay. Maybe, maybe against the law over there in the United Kingdom. Joey Gaditza. Hey, guys. Joey, by the way, from Canada. Speaking of the Brits. Oh, too much international flavor here. I don't approve. <laughs> is, is, <laughs> is Stuart Fairchild a starter on any other roster in MLB? Heck, is he even a bench player on another roster? And I actually yes. got a message on our, on our Slack channel. I need to find this. Uh, Joey was Joey. I think felt bad about asking this question because he felt bad for Stuart Fairchild. In and on Slack, he said, Hey, uh, Chad, in no way, shape was I trying to slander Fairchild into your mail. Good on him, really, for hanging around. I was just saying, um, <laughs> I mean, I, the answer is yes, he's a he is a I don't know if he's a starter on any other roster, but yes, he's a bench player on other rosters. I think, I think he's crummy. He start for Nate. Oak, he can start for Oakland, I think, definitely. But um, I don't really get this. People love Stuart Fairchild. I saw people putting out like their ideal rosters after the kids come up, and they were like, I mean, getting rid of TJ Friedel and Jake Fraley, keeping Stuart Fairchild on the roster. It's wild. <laughs> no, I don't no. understand. I wish him the best, but uh, he's not, not, not real good. Well, okay, but let me here's the argument for Stuart Fairchild. He's like this guy I talked about earlier, the 25th, 26th guy on the roster. He gets on base, he has always mm-hmm. gotten on base all through the minor leagues. Um, so that's a skill. That's a particular skill that could potentially help, you know, um, a team. It, it's a useful skill, but is he a starter? No, he's not a starter. He shouldn't be a starter. Um, I mean, I hate him for different reasons. He went to Wake Forest. Ooh. Weak Forest? Get out of here. There's only one team we like in the, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and that is the Virginia Polytechnic. Boston College. Oh. No, Virginia Tech, VPISU, hokey, 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 hi. Um, 
I'm going to regret that. But <laughs> my son's going to Virginia Tech, Nate. I know. Proud of him. <laughs> I'm proud of him too. I'm so proud of that kid. <laughs> uh, good hitter and uh, good three point shooter, and he's a he's a hokey. So I'm going to wear a Virginia Tech cap on this program at some point soon because I'm going to be a hokey too. Next question from James Urban. James Urban. Hello, gentlemen. It's my birthday today. Happy birthday, James. Woo! So here's my themed question. If you could spend your birthday with any three current Reds, who are you going with? P.S. Bonus points if any of you can correctly guess what age I'm turning this year. Well, let's start with that one. What age is James turning? I feel like I remember learning that he is much younger than I expected because he's very wise. James Irvin is full of wisdom. Got a, lot of, got a lot of good insight out there. So I'm going to go with 22. 22. I'm going to say this is the big 3-0 for James. Ooh. I'm going to say this year's the big 30. The big 30. That's going to be a good book. Somebody <laughs> should write that book. Um, but who do you want to drink but, or spend your birthday with? I just assumed that was drinking because I know how my birthday is. <laughs> <laughs> Three current reds. I'll let you, I'll let you go, Nate. Um, probably Stuart Fairchild in, is probably the first, right? Stuart Fairchild, Stuart Fairchild, Matt Reynolds, and Jason Bossler. Um, uh, I think in this order, Joey Votto, Graham Ashcraft, and Jonathan India. I feel like Joey's just gonna have to. I'm gonna do all the talking with Joey. I'm, I, there's so much I want to know. Graham Ashcraft, we're gonna go hunting, we're gonna dip some Copenhagen, we're gonna have a good time, and then Jonathan India. I feel like we're just gonna hit the clubs in Miami. We're going out. He's going, to, he's going to give me a taste of the finer things. Yeah, I couldn't keep up with Jonathan India. There's no question about it. Um, I think I'm Joey Votto, obviously. I like India, but I'm going to say not India. I'm going to go with Hunter Green. I don't know. I, I just, um, he's, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, well, I'm desperately in love with Hunter Green. Um, <laughs> please don't put that on TikTok. Uh, and then maybe, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Tim uh, with Tim. Oh, that's what we call him Ooh. around here, but his real name is Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson. I don't know. I just, uh, people are ragging on him lately too, uh, which oh, he's not been blows my mind. He's not been great this year, but come on. He's Tyler Stevenson. He's 140 plate appearances. Get off his back. I came real close to putting Alexis Diaz in there because if I could hang out in Puerto Rico with Alexis Diaz, oh, let's go. How about this? Alexis Diaz during the World Baseball Classic when Puerto Rico's playing. Of course, he'd be playing for Puerto Rico, but still, that would be fun. I'm, I'm, right after I'm, he retires, we're doing that. There we go. I got it. Speaking Kyle Kapler. Yes, Kyle Kapler asked. I know it's still early in his career, but Alexis Diaz is the best reliever I've ever seen play for the Reds. Kyle, of course, was born in 2017. No, that's not true. He, I've been watching and following since about the 03-04 season. Whether it's a save situation or any other tight situation, he produces. What say you? Well, here's what I say. He's been with the Reds less than a year and a half. He's already 3.9 wins above replacement by baseball reference. Again, relievers, wins above replacement, I know. But um, I don't know that I have ever seen a reliever as dominant out of the gate. And I have a longer history of watching the Reds than Kyle does. Than I've seen with with uh, Alexis Diaz. Uh, yeah, I mean the dude's the dude's amazing. That four out safe he got, I just he's. I, I love Alexis Diaz. Go ahead, Nate. I, I was worried there was going to be some regression from his numbers last year because some of the advanced stuff was not 
the most kind. It seemed like there was a lot of luck in play last year when he burst onto the scene. No, he's gotten better in all the things. He's cut down on the walks. Um, he's he's far exceeded any expectations I had for him this year already. But as far as the best reliever, I mean, Ross Chapman, like that was just a really, really fun first couple of years when he burst onto the scene too. So I don't know if he's the best I've ever seen, but he might be certainly in the conversation. Uh, he's in the conversation, but he's not the best. I mean, Araldus Chapman, Chapmania at that time, whatever you think about Araldus Chapman, that dude was just lights out. And if you yeah. never were able to be at Great American Ballpark when he came in the game, um, it reminds me of what we see with Alexis Diaz's brother when he's healthy for the Mets and the music and the the pageantry. That's the way it was when Chapman came into a game. Yeah. But uh, that's not a that's not a slight on Alexis Diaz, who has been no. so good. I have I have. I'm so happy to see him come in the game and, uh, and Kyle, uh, enjoy him. Enjoy him. Thomas Dennis. Thomas Dennis asks this Baker Snicker, Roberts Martinez, Cora Hinch, Madden, Yost, Boshi, and Farrell are the last 10 managers to win a world series. Only Boshi and Baker more than once. That's our buddy, Dusty Baker. 99 and 2000 was the last back-to-back team to win. What role does the manager play? Is it analytics and game management, or is it the 10% mental athletes talk about, i.e. making a group feel they're better than anyone else? Uh, we could spend a long time talking about this, and you could go back in the archives and hear us talk about Dusty Baker a lot. I wish Dusty Baker were 30 years younger, because I actually think Dusty Baker is perfectly set up to be a manager in this current era for this reason. The... Uh, the, most of the in-game stuff and the lineups and all that is there's so much analytics that everybody's doing the same stuff. They all have the same numbers. Uh, you know, it's, it's less important than it was when Sparky Anderson was a manager. He had to make a decision when to pull a guy from the bullpen because they just, they have their books and they have their computers. It's more important to me. I, it feels like to me, the guy that can get a guy, get a team ready to play. And Dusty Baker's been great about that. His whole career, he, uh, getting guys to perform at their, their highest. Uh, I don't think David Bell's particularly great at it. I don't see, well, I don't know that he is, but I don't see any evidence that he's great at it. Good way to say and that. So, um, so I would say that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a 10% middle that Thomas is talking about. This is a way deeper conversation than we're going to be able to have here tonight, but uh, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you dive in if you have any other thoughts, Nate. The only thing I'll add is that um, I don't know how to quantify the effect, but look over at our friends in St. Louis and how their manager just keeps throwing gasoline on that flame. You know, started with the Tyler O'Neill stuff early on and beefing with umpires and refusing to shake hands. Or the umpires refusing to shake his hand. And then this stuff with Wilson Contreras, which is mind blowing. So it just seems like there's a baseline of decorum that a manager needs to have. And if you don't, it can have a really negative effect on a franchise. So I don't think David Bell has that, but I still think he should be fired because he gives Kevin Newman more advance than Jose Guerrero, but that's another conversation. That is another conversation. Uh, but that kind of is a similar answer to what I said, which is this, it's, it's the, it's way more, it's way less about in-game management and roster, you know, uh, manipulation than it is about some of the mental stuff and the, and the behind closed doors stuff and the, the, the managers that can maximize that, are going to be the managers that are more successful going forward. It's no, it's no surprise to me that Dusty Baker finally got a World Series. 
Rich Thompson. Rich asks, barring injuries or being traded by the end of the season, who do you think will have the better offensive season for the Reds? A, Jonathan India. B, TJ Friedel. C, Nick Senzel. Rich loves his multiple choice questions. Nate, I think there's a pretty clear answer here. What do you say? Um, first off, I want to acknowledge that I think this is three weeks in a row where Rich Thompson has had a fairly short question. We need to send Love you, Rich. Williamsburg and check on him. Um, <laughs> it's obviously Jonathan India, though, right? I mean, the guy is a walk and a home run away from a 345 slash line and a 900 OPS. I mean, he's been amazing. Wrong answer. Wrong <laughs> once again, Nate. As usual. The answer is Nixon Zell. Nixon Zell breakout season incoming. Love it. That's what I that's what I want to believe. Nate, the real answer is Jonathan India. You're right. I want, I want Nixon Zell to be the answer and Jonathan India to continue to get close to a 900 OPS. There we go. I'll take that. I'll sign up for that. Seth Shaner. One thing I heard recently was a concern of staggering prospects so they don't all hit arbitration and then free agency at once. It's interesting to think about, but isn't it best just to let things develop organically? Reminds me of concerns for outfield spots when Junior Dunn, Josh Hamilton, and an emerging Jay Bruce appeared poised to be vying for those spots. Within a year, only Bruce remained. Um, I think we can answer this one pretty quickly. Yeah. Let's not, we don't know who's going to, of these prospects, we don't know who's going to develop. We don't know who's going to actually end up performing. Just let it happen. Don't try to game the system. That's the service time game stuff that we were talking about earlier in some ways. Just let it happen. Nate, any other, any other thoughts? I was told we were eliminating peaks and valleys. If the system's good enough, there'll be guys to come in and take their place. Exactly. Get crawled. Hash brown, get crawled, they say on the Twitters. All right, two more. Let's get them quick. Hooper Powell. Our friend from Columbus, do you anticipate the Red Legs continuing at the three catcher experiment the whole year? Yes, but they shouldn't. That's my answer. I've been hearing rumblings that they might be dishing it in the second half. I don't remember where I heard it or whether it's a reliable source, but I agree. Scrap it. Yeah. Get it out of here. Yeah. Even you though Luke Maley is crushing the baseball, like he's the best hitter on the team. He is the probably the best hitter in the history of the Reds organization. 113 but. OPS plus. Yeah. In 30 plate appearances, but, you know. Exactly. You shouldn't have a guy on the roster that's been the team the whole year that only has 30 plate appearances. You're wasting a roster spot, no matter how uh, handsome he is. Final question comes from Joe Farsing, host of the Riverfront Bengals show. No question, Joe says, just a comment. I like peanut butter. More than one man should love another object. <laughs> I've laughed at this question three times now. <laughs> Crunchy or smooth, Joe? Crunchy or smooth? Crunchy or smooth, Joe? We expect you to come onto the YouTube video. Drop it in the comments. Crunchy well, or smooth? All right, Nate. Anything else going on around the riverfront you want to talk about? Um, I mean, we always got work going on. Please go back and check out last week's episode with Tim Daniel. If you just missed my voice, we had a great time on there. He'll be back this Sunday doing it again. Joe and Greg are crushing stuff over at the Riverfront Bengals show. New episodes every Thursday. They've been dominating draft coverage. And now the uh, schedule's getting released. They'll be looking into that. So um, you'll get your fill of Reds content. You know where to go. Or Cincinnati content. Oh. Yeah, I got to think how to put this. But 
let me just say I really like the uh, the Riverfront Bengals show the last uh, last few weeks. It's been really good. I'm, I'm not making any comment, but it's been really good lately. <laughs> Nate, any final thoughts for us? Uh, go Reds. Let's um, going down to Miami for a series. Going to face a stud prospect that they're bringing up. Their top pitching prospect um, should be a fun one. Jonathan Andy, a bit of a return home. Go Reds. Go Reds. Thank you to everyone for listening and supporting the Riverfront. Please remember to subscribe to the show either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're at Riverfront Cincy on all those platforms. That's at Riverfront Cincy. And if a huge thank you goes out to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. Uh, the show would literally not be possible without the support of our Patreon family. Love for you to come join in our hijinks. Go to the patreon.com slash riverfront or click the link in the show notes. Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lisa Alberto and Wayne Krenchicki and Eli Cash for Nate Dotson. And my guy Casey. This is Chad Dotson saying, not so long, but stay tuned. Interview with my favorite, if you're on the audio version, my favorite guest in the history of uh, this podcast, all 478 episodes. So long, everyone. Okay, I'm here with a very special guest, my four-year-old son, Casey. Where did we go last night, Casey? A baseball game. What kind of baseball game? Reds. Who won? The Reds. Who'd they beat? The Cardinals. Yeah, we like the Cardinals, don't we? No, we like the Reds. Yeah, who's your favorite player? Brandon Phillips. He is. Do you know? Do you remember what number he is? Four. Yeah. You think he hits good? Yeah. He got two hits last night, didn't he? Yeah. Do you remember who hit a home run last night? Joey Votto. No, Joey Votto was hurt last or sick last night. Do you remember who it was? Mm, one was Jerry Harrison. Yeah, Jerry Harrison hit one. That's right. You remember the other one? No. Was it Jay? Bruce. Jay Bruce. Yeah. Who else do you like on the Reds? Um, Jay Bruce. Who's Daddy's favorite Red? Um. Is it Edwin? Yes. Edwin who? Incarnation. Yeah, that's right. Who else is good for the Reds? Do you remember? Um. Aaron pitched. Aaron who? Harang. Yeah, and Edinson pitches today. Vaquez. Yeah, he's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah. What, what does he have coming out from under his hat? Hair. All that crazy hair? Yeah. Tell me what you did that was fun at the game last night. Um, who, who'd you see at the game? Who'd you wave to and yell at? Uh... Gapper. Gapper. And Mr. Redlegs. Really? Yeah. What'd they do when you yelled at him and waved at him? Um, they waved at me. They did? Yeah. Cool. Was that pretty fun? Yeah. What else did you do that was fun at the game? Um, jumped and slide. On what? That red bouncy thing. Oh, yeah. That was pretty cool. And yeah. then, remember what else you did remember when you pitched? Yeah. Was that fun? Yeah. How hard did you throw? As hard as I could. As fast as Coco? Yes. Coco who? Coco who? Do you remember his name? Cordero. Yeah, Coco Cordero. Um, what'd you eat at the game? Popcorn and peanuts. Yeah, that's what you love, don't you? Now we're going to go today to the game. Who do you hope hits a home run today? Um, 
You hope Brandon hits one? Yeah, and Br Jay Bruce. Yeah, and what about Willie? Tavares. Yeah, and Adam. Dunn. No, does Adam Dunn play for the Reds? Does Adam Dunn still play for the Reds? Answer me, buddy. No. Who does he play for? You remember? No. You don't remember who he plays for? No. Yes, you do. We, you talked about it. You told me last night. The nah. Nationals. Yeah, the Nationals. Do you remember somebody named Adam that still plays for the Reds? No. Adam Rowe. Zalas. Yeah. Now, are you going to have fun at the game today? Yeah. What do you want to do as soon as we get there? Um. Uh, play some stuff. <laughs> play some stuff. It's yeah. fun to go to the Reds games, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, say bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.